0: What's up everyone? Welcome to my channel. I hope you're doing well. Today we'll be reviewing a new book. The book in question in French is called Moi les hommes, je les déteste. In English, it's called I hate men. In German, ich hasse men. So it's going to be published in 17 different languages just because of its success in France and the ideas in it being, I don't know, attractive abroad I guess. So I thought I'd make a review about it. It came to fame because a government official who heard about this book being published actually thought that it was an offensive title. So he reported it, and because of the backlash that he got, the book actually got a lot of publicity. That's how I heard about it. And yeah, so people started buying it. It's sold 20,000 copies so far. And, And yeah, it's going abroad. I've decided to review it for your enjoyment. If you're curious about it, if you're curious about the ideas in the book but can't be bothered to read it, or if you're wondering whether you should read it, this video is here. So first, I'll present the contents of the book. And then I'll give you my opinion about the ideas that she exposes. my favorite parts, the parts I didn't like so much. So without further ado, let's get into it. But first, I'd just like to say a quick word about the comments that I might be receiving below the video after it's been published. I won't tolerate comments that are irrelevant to the book, to the contents of the book, the contents of the video. You're allowed to disagree Or agree with what I'm about to say with what Pauline Armange says in her book. Comments that are not constructive or don't contribute in any way to the discussion will just be brushed off. Comments about the author's appearance, sex life, and other irrelevant things that do not pertain to the book or to the video, like the contents of my video, I'm not interested i'm not part of these feminists who are willing to take time and spend their energy debating people who are just stubborn and are only commenting for fun and to be provocative so just bear in mind if you post them it's just a comment that's there in the comment count but i'm not gonna address it so have fun. So anyways, without further ado, let's get into it. I'll present to you the key ideas chapter by chapter. Some might take a little longer than the others, but I really want the ideas to come across as clearly as possible. Bear in mind, I read this book in French, so everything is the work of my own translation so in her book she first discusses the concept of misandry the book is called i hate men so obviously misandry does go with that the definition that she gives in the book is that misandry is a negative feeling towards men from simply being just wary to complete hostility towards men. She defines men here as being any cisgender man who's been socialized as such and who enjoys his male privilege without questioning it. Cisgender denotes or relates to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds to their birth sex. Throughout this first chapter she also asks men to use their power and privilege to do good and help women rather than disturb the cause. Men should hold each other accountable for their actions and their words so she asks men to do that but she says it's a regular practice of feminism that makes women a more like realize the moral and physical violence inflicted on them as well as the aggressions and injustices that they're a victim of and she says that there's a systemic issue at heart which is you know the patriarchy is a system and that it's not just like men usually like to frame it and some women who contribute to the patriarchy she says that it's not just in our minds it's property a systemic issue point number two she discusses societal expectations for men so in this part she actually tells us that she's married to a man and I can seem hypocritical of her to call herself a misandrist while being married loving a man and living with him right but she says I it would actually be very difficult for her if her and her husband were to separate or divorce for her to actually date men again just because of all the work that they've put into deconstructing what they had previously learned in well in society essentially like the role of men the role of women the expectations of these two roles they've tried and they still work on it every single day to deconstruct all of that to have a more healthy relationship and in that sense like she says it would be really just so difficult to go through that all over again so she probably wouldn't date men again after that so anyways back to the point she actually said something that's very smart that our societal expectations for men are really low like she says wow you know like is it really that incredible that my husband helps me vacuum the house or do the dishes or doesn't rape me or is treating her with respect is that what constitutes a perfect man i mean it's pretty low like we take it we should take it as granted but she says (laughs) this is like the baseline for, for men like that's when you consider a man good when it should just be like something that's normal like respect not hurting other people helping around the house shouldn't be something that's incredible she says that behind every man that's aware of his male privilege there are a number of women before who've worked hard to open his eyes to that in the third part of the book she talks about the acceptance of being a misandrist. She says that among feminists there's this tendency to not want to claim your misandry because it deserves the cause and you don't want to alienate anyone, you want to have this idea that the movement is very inclusive and you don't want to bash men but the reality is, according to Pauline Armange, is that you can claim that you're a misandrist and it's actually pretty empowering. Pretty almost really asked, do we really need the validation of people who criticize us for talking too loud, for speaking up about you know injustices and aggressions that we're victims of? Do we really need their validation and like their approval of our statements for our statements to be true? She questions whether men are really deserving of the efforts that women put out to integrate them. When men aren't necessarily willing to deconstruct their privilege and understand the cause itself. So she says in that sense, like, there's no point in me not claiming to be a misandrist. Like, I don't want to fit in the standard of this gentle and kind and understanding person who wants to be liked by everyone. No, I'm claiming that I'm a misandrist because I disagree with this idea like this toxic masculinity and what it's doing to our world so I'm claiming you know loud and clear I hate men. She states that the allies of feminism are really like the people who understand why misandrists exist and who are prepared to deconstruct their privilege and their behavior. In the next part she explains the difference between misandry and misogyny. She says that misandry only exists in reaction to misogyny and that essentially there wouldn't be a need for misandry were it not for misogyny. Each movement's actions have consequences that are radically different. She says that misogyny essentially leads to sexual violence because the vast majority of sexual aggressions are committed by men. Not all victims are women, but almost all perpetrators are men. Moving on from that, Buddha Nogin goes on to explain where misogyny really stems from. She said that first it stems from physical violence against women, but when that's not it, she explains that it comes from what men do and don't do. For example, in the households, the women often more likely to take on the mental load from you know taking care of the kids to doing dishes and like chores etc they are the ones taking on responsibility for that and their partner won't necessarily think I can do that too I'm going to help and that's what we call mental workloads when like you as a woman have to always think about that and then you'll have to go ask your partner the mental load that you get from like having to think oh Can I ask him? How will he react? I don't want to bother him, etc. That's mental load and women tend to carry it way more than men. They also take on way more of the emotional work of the relationship. So that's like one part of what Miss Andrea stems from. And then there's also this criticism that she makes towards uh, the fact that men take up a lot of the public space. For example, manspreading. That's a typical example of monopolising the public space. Now, move out of the way on the street. Like when you're walking in front of a man and you're, you're both about to collide. Often the woman will move. And the man will just continue on his trajectory. I mean, it can be so tiny, but it's actually really significant. Also, just when walking on the street that like you have so I mean and this is really typical friend uh, of France I find so I don't get that so much in the UK but people will just catcall you on the street like people I mean men they'll also make you feel really uncomfortable when walking in front of a cafe where they just sat down another thing brilliant animals talks about is that men often refuse to let women into the conversation even though women are in the conversation they might have their speech cut by other men or not have their ideas heard or worse. They might have their ideas taken by the men in the room and then reused after. The last thing she states as an example of where misandry can stem from is sexist jokes. Honestly, such a big thing. She says when they laugh at sexist jokes it's because they don't hurt anyone. They don't realize that actually it's really harmful to, to women because if you're making sexist jokes and that sort of becomes like subconsciously ingrained in the person's mind like the joke just about like women not being able to drive, come on, like really? and then that actually i there's <laughs> not been a study on that but I firmly believe that the fact that that joke has been spread around so much has actually affected women's confidence in themselves to drive and therefore affected women's driving like it's sort of almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy anyways it's a whole other topic to discuss so really misandry doesn't kill anyone it doesn't hurt anyone it might hurt people's Feelings, but it doesn't actually have make any victims like men aren't being killed because of this whereas women Die as a result of misogyny. I mean every It was it like three days a woman is killed by her her husband or like partner in in France and like you have Countless rapes. I think it's like almost a hundred thousand rapes a year come on and not a big portion of that is rape committed on men also because (coughs) <coughs> men often don't even report their sexual assault because of toxic masculinity and the patriarchy because, you know, that's not manly. Anyways, putting out states it's that misogyny doesn't hurt anyone, it doesn't kill anyone, and it doesn't stop men from walking down the street at night, it doesn't stop them from having hobbies, it doesn't stop them from getting a job, whereas misogyny does. She concludes this part by saying that men and women should be respectful of one another equally. So in the fifth chapter Pauline Almog talks about the different socializations that boys and girls go through in childhood and how that affects their conflict handling and relationships in the future. She talks about how boys slash men are taught to be angry, like fight for something and not cry like a girl and women on the other hand are taught how to be gentle, kind, understanding to be passive and show emotion and that has an effect on how they view conflict in the future when they're in a relationship. Men don't accept criticism and will get angry, whereas the woman who doesn't know how to handle her anger because she's never been taught how to will just become emotional because that's the only way her anger can come out and therefore will be criticized by her partner for being like too emotional or dramatic when women do manage to become you know, angry, they'll be labelled as violent and not being able to control themselves and then won't be listened to. So ultimately, there's no way to be properly heard. So Pauline Armange explains that we have to look at where these conflicts come from. Conflicts often arise because of the mental load that the woman is the only one to take on and is not shared by the couple as such. Well, conflict can also arise from just having a partner who doesn't listen to his wife and therefore that leads to a conflict. But she does say that conflicts are actually positive because it stems from a willingness to solve an issue within the relationship but she says that the problem is that often it's the woman who says hey listen there is an issue but then the man won't listen, won't be willing to listen you know because she's crying or screaming it's a way for the man not to listen to criticism essentially and then she goes on to explain something that really resonates with me she says that dominance in relationships don't actually have anything to win by solving a situation that is problematic for the person who is dominated in that relationship so yes that conflict might be bothersome at the time but there's no incentive for the dominant person to actually change anything because like wh- why why would they this is only inconvenient for a certain amount of time the rest of the time the time their dominant position is perfectly fine with them so they don't actually need to change this can be applied um in any sort of context by the way Like they can be um <laughs> at work in a relationship among friends literally anywhere that is a key takeaway from from this book for me but yeah anyway she concludes the chapter by writing that we shouldn't settle with the situation as is, we should continue fighting and we should continue as women to be angry because anger really provides momentum for a feminist revolution. In the sixth chapter she talks about the mediocrity of men. I won't spend too much time on that but essentially she says that As women like growing up we were constantly um, having to face validation from men and we were eager to hear from men that or you know the boys in our school and all that that we were pretty and like it wasn't enough for a mom or dad or like grandma to tell us oh you're so pretty you're so beautiful no you wanted that validation from the other people the other sex I mean I know I was like that so she really calls on women to not let men's opinion men who are sometimes even irrelevant to us like men on the street men on TV like who are they to criticize you and to say you should be like this you should be like that um so we shouldn't let that criticism affect us we should believe in ourselves and that will build us up and we need to support each other moving on from that in the seventh chapter she talks about what she calls the heterosexual trap That chapter delves into the visions of relationships that are instilled in us since childhood. She goes on to explain how during childhood you often see "Ah, stories of princesses and of princes, and the princess is always in danger and she has to be saved by someone, whereas the prince, he's seen as a more independent individual, he's brave, whereas the princess is frail, she needs someone to protect her. So from the start, you sort of grow up with that idea that first of all you need someone else to be complete as a woman like you need your prince, you need that man to make you whole whereas little boys and then future men don't have that pressure as much like they do have that vision of oh yeah I, I can go conquer someone or something somewhere we don't get that so much with princesses. You you start to get that to be honest. Like this is just my side note. You start getting that with more modern Disney princes- princesses. But as I grew up, I would be so happy if a prince came to save me. So "Brilliante Amore" is here to remind us that our value is not determined by whether or not we are with someone. Men's value is never doubted whether they have a girlfriend or a wife whether they're single their value stays the same in the eyes of society but women don't have that same treatment they're seen as like you know if you're a woman and like you're past 30 and you still don't have a husband it's probably because you're bitter about life that you're unhappy with I don't know you have an issue with men <laughs> probably but yeah that's quite interesting Shachi cites a study that shows that um, celibate women are actually happier and healthier than women in relationships and that's explained by the fact that you know you don't have that mental load you don't have as much work um, celibate and without children like you don't have you know everything associated with running a household you're probably living a more fulfilled life altogether really So she denounces heterosexuality as being a trap that, you know, you believe that an intimate relationship with someone is a given, that you need that in your life to be fulfilled when that's not the case. You should always question yourself as to what gives meaning to a relationship. You shouldn't just jump in it because that's what society wants that's not the healthy way to approach it um so she encourages readers to experience joy on their own as really find fulfillment in themselves and then in the future that will help you live a more healthy relationship and a more fulfilled relationship too and she encourages specifically women to go out and like um, reinforce your non-romantic relationships with people who will be a source of love and support. In the um, almost final chapter, chapter eight, which talks about sorority, Pauline Armand really stresses the importance of women sticking together, uh, vouching for themselves, believing in themselves, and she stresses the importance of putting women in our lives first as opposed to men because men don't need that to feel validated as much. Because society has just already told them well you can just be you and it's fine they don't need to be that much more validated to be comforted in their life choices and reassured in their values she talks about the need um, for women to be able to see in each other um, a safe place where you know we can where we can support each other where we can confide in each other that We can believe each other. She finishes the chapter by stating that, quote unquote, she does not need men to build herself. Um, And that is really true. You don't need a man to build yourself. You should understand that you are sufficient for yourself. This is one of my favorite parts of the book. She says that you don't need men's validation to be someone who's confident, strong and happy. And the final chapter in Pauline Mange's book talks about the importance of women gathering. She discusses the importance of meetups that are political and non-political. It's important for women to gather, strengthen that sorority, that Bond that we have that allows us to really share our love for one another, to build each other up, to appreciate anything outside of the realm of men, you know focus on stuff that is not only in the interests of men. She says that these meetups help women unite in a world that favors oppression of women through competition against one another rather than through encouragement and teamwork yeah that's a pretty sad part it makes me you know sad to think that we grow up to compete against each other for the eyes of men for the attention of men and i'll come back to that again um in my commentary which we're coming to because we've reached a conclusion of the book where um but concludes that we have to embrace misandry that we shouldn't be afraid of the term, we should not be scared to state it clear and loud that we are misandress. She says that ultimately misandress is a joyous thing because it leads to women loving each other loving themselves that we need this love to free ourselves ultimately from toxic masculinity I think that's what it's implied now for the commentary you'll have understood that this book is about a little more than just hating on men as the title would suggest and actually there have been critics that said you know yes this book's title is I Hate Men and Pauline Armange might be a misandress, but her book actually isn't Misandress because it talks a lot more about sorority and how women can lift each other up and make each other better and how we can free ourselves essentially and be better alone. So I really like that. I really like the fact that all throughout she encourages women to reduce their interaction with toxic masculinity and reevaluate their relationship with men in order to rediscover you know the joys of sisterhood of friendship it's a thought-provoking book and obviously everyone's experience reading it will be different, but for me it really helped me realize that I had been in situations that were unacceptable. It also made me realize that some behaviours that I had experienced were not normal. But you know, I hadn't even thought about them not being normal. It's just that it was so much ingrained in me that I didn't I didn't even consciously think of them until I read this book. I saw a lot of critics that were negative towards this book and I understand why in the sense that yeah the title is provocative so it will lead people to being like oh oh it must be like a terrible book and like oh she hates men and like it can only be bad but really once you read the book and that's what I don't understand by people who wrote like really critical articles about it is that she's not attacking men for their gender she's literally attacking the social construct of men and manhood as it is today so either the people who criticize don't understand that that's the target that the social construct of men is a target as opposed to like the human being or they just don't want to understand which is even worse because it's blocking your mind just because you don't agree with something that you don't want to understand it is really bad like it's unproductive and it doesn't make the debate move forward a lot. What I really took away from this book is the necessity to build strong bonds with women around me and prioritizing friendships and you know I'm interpreting her book in the way that I want to understand it also and I'm sort of modifying. She, she says like yeah you gotta prioritize authority, and I completely agree but I prioritize every single friendship over romantic relationships uh in general so anyways like i really liked um chapter eight that dealt with sorority and the last chapter of her book what really struck me about this is that she really encourages women to stick with each other to really be figures of support for each other and this part really struck with me because for years i struggled with jealousy towards other women i didn't necessarily show it but like, I would be critical, I would just become jealous so easily before I even were, was in a relationship and after I was in a relationship it was even more, it was exacerbated. And I would get so jealous, I would consistently compare myself until one day I realised, what's the use of all of this, that you should be happy about other women being pretty, being confident, being beautiful, being successful, you're only making yourself miserable, comparing yourself. You shouldn't view them as like competition, you should be celebrating them. Like that was a moment where I shifted in my mind where I was like the focus should not be men and how we as women revolve around them. The center should be support for other girls because it's already hard enough out there for many girls in the world. there's just so much going on that you can't be constantly negative towards one another because then that doesn't serve anyone apart from the guys around. so ultimately I began this new approach where I was like no one um, don't make yourself miserable thinking about how other girls are prettier, smarter, more successful, more popular among guys. Be happy for them, be happy that they are happy, um, be happy that they're confident and yeah that's how you know I lifted the whole weight off my back. So that's like my main takeaway from the book of course like there are criticisms that you can make about the book like the fact that she could expand further on ideas she could give more examples she could give more figures because I know a lot of people out there just love data and like want figures she gives them there's a bunch of references here but I'm sure some people would be satisfied with more but this is mostly um, qualitative rather than a quantitative study obviously there's going to be comments and after coming from well because likely the majority will be men. They'll say, yeah, like she can't write a book It's just about hating men. First of all, did you even watch my video? Second of all, if you really think that, um, buy the book and then read it and then reflect on what's actually being said. Think about like your own behavior. Think about why some women feel that way your experience as a person does not reflect the entire human race experience so i'm talking about my experience as a girl in need of support than like my trajectory but just because something doesn't affect you doesn't mean it's not affecting other people so you should bear that in mind when you read this book like your experience as a man is so much more different than an, than an experience that you would have as a woman, and what you think isn't true isn't necessarily not true. I understand why this book caused quite a stir in France. I think my country does have an issue with sexism and it's quite widespread, it's still tolerated. Whereas in other countries, like my other country, the UK, I feel like there's a greater amount of respect for women, and just generally speaking, it's a better environment for for women, there's greater equality and respect in between genders. Um, Then again, experiences can differ from people to people, country to country, it's so individual. So let me know what you think, like tell me which country you're from and what you think of uh, the situation over there. But yeah, I just wanted to make a quick note to say that I can't say that the men around me are bad. I'm lucky to be surrounded by people who are open to new ideas and constructive debates and discussions on a wide range of topics. Of course, beyond those discussions, you can still maintain your point of view, you can still disagree, so long as you're open to hearing the other person's point of view their arguments and actively listen to what they're saying then it's okay that's constructive you know so yeah anyways i just wanted to wrap that up talking about my experience and The fact that just because your life is good in many ways doesn't mean that you still can't contribute to bettering other people's lives by fighting a bit for them. I'm just doing my part through a video like this, but there are many ways to do that. I hope you enjoyed this book. I hope the takeaways are interesting for you. Please leave a comment, tell me what you thought, even if you didn't like it. curious to hear what you didn't like. If you did like it, please leave a comment and tell me what you thought. And yeah, hopefully there'll be more videos like this or in a different format. I don't know. Not necessarily thinking of focusing solely on feminism on my channel, but I enjoy doing this. Don't forget to subscribe. Please leave a thumbs up if you liked it, and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye!